Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you. Happy Easter. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Have you ever asked the question, does God really love me? Does he love me enough to forgive me all my sin? Really? Last week we heard in Romans chapter 8, all of us have been subjected to futility and hope in a hope to be set free from sin. God said, since Adam sinned, both men and women will struggle because of it. Even today, the conflict between good and evil is still here. And so conflict rages between righteousness and sin. There's the tension, doing evil or doing what God calls us to. Yet because of God's great love for us, in Christ we are washed, justified from the sin we were in. We've been sanctified and made clean, set aside for his purpose and a new life in Christ Jesus alone world feels this pain of this sin. The whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. He takes the idea that, yeah, it's groaning, but there's hope. There's something coming. There's new life coming. That's the joy of being born again in the hope and the promise that what happened into your heart will happen for eternity as Christ returns. All of creation, all of these pains, it's childbirth pains and groaning with the hope that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, not subjected to sin. And not only this, verse 23, but we ourselves, also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, we're born again. Now we love the Lord, we love the Word, we hate sin. These are first fruits. God is changing your life. Something is different. Now you've got these first fruits. You're beginning to struggle against that sin. That's a sign of being born again. So we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Later on, Paul says sometimes these groanings are without words because we no longer have any words. It's the struggle to be redeemed. We groan within ourselves waiting eagerly for our adoptions as sons. And that is the ultimate adoption of redemption into eternity. All right, that the Holy Spirit that has been given to you as a promise, God knows you by name. He's coming back for you by name. And together we make up the church's bride. This, this Holy Spirit's coming back. We, we eagerly await our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. Now, Paul wants to present here that the proof that we inherit Adam's nature is that sin existed before the law. The law of God 
The Ten Commandments does not charge men with sin. It just shows man the sin that's already there. The law, Scripture says, was given to us as a teacher to show the proof. And James kind of wraps it up, even though as Paul later does. James says, listen, you break one of the Ten Commandments, you broke them all. The idea to convince and prove that you are a sinner. Well, I've done nothing wrong. You think you're going to heaven? Well, yeah, I haven't killed anybody. And, and I give my $5 to the, to the uh, homeless. And, and I, I do a good deed here. And there's a constant argument that I'm not guilty. Most of our arguments together and in your family are to prove that you're not the guilty one. It's somebody else's fault. You sense that? You feel that? It's still within us. Paul says, no. The fact that people have been dying, it's proof that we have sin. There's something within man, even without the law, before Moses, when he says, Adam to Moses, Moses meaning the law, even before Moses, something caused them to sin before the law was given. What was it in men that caused people to sin between Adam and Moses and die? Well, simple. Paul puts it right here. It was the human nature, the sinful nature, the corruptible nature that is within us. The nature that every single child has inherited from their parents. The ones you inherited from your parents. And you see it in the child before he even speaks. As you're holding him in your arms, he's not even two years old, and he wants to get down, and you tell him, no, no. He arches his back with everything he's got, rebelling against you as the authority, and he wants to do what he wants to do. That's sin. We're born with it. Adam was the first man created by God. When he was created, he was good, but... He was the first one to sin and become corruptible and bear the punishment of his disobedience, which is death. We accept Christ not to get a better job, not to have a better family, not to have a happy life. We accept Christ to live. To be forgiven and survive. See, you got to understand, it's not about the life, the here and now. It's not the betterness of today. It's Christ to live, period. And if you understand that, you'll never be disappointed by the hardships of this life. Because you know, you're not born again for the here and now. You're born for eternity. What's this condemnation that Adam received from God, which in a way, the declaration of the prophetic consequences proves scripture is true because we see them today. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Work is hard, no matter what you do. If it's not the work, but it's the people that are working around you. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. From out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Death, because of that sin. How can I embrace that sin in my life? How can I dare 
receive the passionate pleasure of whatever that sin may be when that sin is pure death. That's how we understand to truly hate it to the point of rejecting and avoiding. To the woman, the consequences, verse 16, to the woman he said, I will surely for certain you were deceived and now you came to Adam. I've got something for you, God says to Eve. I'm going to surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Why is the, the wife screaming as she's surrounded by, like she's surrounded by snakes in the delivery room? Because of her disobedience, the fact that she was deceived, the fact that she gave the fruit to Adam. I will multiply your pain. In your pain you shall bring forth children. Oh, much more than that. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. You're always going to want to oppose him. You're always going to want to take over him. You're going to want to rule the household. You're going to want to rule the church. You're going to want to rule in a constant battle between the woman and the man. Do you see it today? Not the time to open up that box of the desire of women that are saying they are talented and gifted by the Lord to do and to serve. Bottom line, the woman's desire is to lead. Dare I ask in your households, how many of the women are writing the checks and doing the budget in the household? It's not bad. We all divide our responsibilities, but they're always that battle. Or how many of the ladies go right, go left, stop? Why don't you go here, go there, go the other? Oh, just giving directions, but always that struggle. You didn't do it. Eve did. And God said from now on, you'll always be with your antlers locked with man. But he shall rule over you. Oops. Therefore the struggle. Sin. This travesty. This sin that is ruling, that is oppressing, has caused the death of billions, the death of children, the hatred of men, the reign of cancer and sicknesses we can't even pronounce. Why? Sin. The darkness of the heart. And you wonder, what's this darkness of the heart we're talking about? Look at 1 Corinthians Turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. We'll look at a couple of these lists. Because he ends them, Paul says, listen, as horrid as these things may sound, and you're turning your face away, you don't want to pronounce what they are, such were some of you. Which is showing the power of salvation. How do I know I'm, I'm saved? I used to be that. But now I hate that. I'm no longer that. All right. Here's this darkness of the heart. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And here's a, a test for each one of us. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom. They will not go to heaven. They're not saved. It is the unrighteous lifestyle that's continuing, never changing, never repenting, but embracing. It's not what we say with our mouths, but it's how we live. That's what's being observed by the people around you, but you know who you are. I know who I am. So scripture says, if I'm living this lifestyle without a constant battle against it, 
I'm unrighteous, and I'm not going to heaven. I was never saved if this is the life I live. Here it is. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral. That covers all the spectrums of the sexual passionate lifestyle. Nor idolaters. Those that love things and even people more than God. Placing them first in their lives. Nor adulterers. We've come into a society where adultery is given and taken. Oh, God forgives. We move on. God says, no, nor men who practice homosexuality. Notice he doesn't say homosexuals. There's no such thing as a homosexual. It's men that practice homosexuality. Because when you say I'm a homosexual, it's exactly what they're saying now. I was born this way, not my fault, it's God's fault. Clearly it says, it's not the only verse in scripture that makes that subtle identification that it's men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves. Oh my goodness, why would you put these guys in the list with all these other worse guys? Because you look at, well, I've done some of this, but I'll never do that. They're all on the same level, nor thieves, uh oh, nor greedy. How often do we talk about that? How much is enough? Or just another dollar. Nor greedy in the same list with these people which are called unrighteous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. What's a reviler? That's one that always causes problems because he's bored. Always a drama person. Let's Let's turn this upside down. Nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And everyone reading the letter says, thank God I'm not one of those. Paul says, listen, and such were some of you. That's grace. That's forgiveness. God says, I know who you are. But there's hope. There's joy because when Christ comes into my life, these are things I used to be. Now everything has been made brand new. But some, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Look at what God has done. He's washed you from all of those desires and that lifestyle. But not only that, and later on in verses 15 and on, he actually unpacks this, the rise of grace to the point. He says, listen, you were washed, but now you've also been justified. In other words, when God looks at you, you're justified. It's as if you've never done it. He's never going to hold it against you. How can I not be happy? You've been in situations where you've really wronged someone. I can't think of me wronging Paul, but I know he wronged me big time. And he's got the joy of knowing I'm never going to hold it against him. I'm joking, right? <laughs> the idea, because you wrong people. You make mistakes, especially preachers. Bible says that he who speaks a lot, there's no way he's not going to sin. So you make mistakes. You say things you don't mean to say, and people get offended. And you crawl back to them and say, please, I'm sorry, forgive me, you didn't mean it. And there's an American way of saying, oh, don't worry about it. But you know that they're still walking away thinking, mm, I'm going to avoid that person from now on. God says you're justified. He's never going to hold it against you. Never going to remind you that you used to be that way. You're justified. He sees you in Jesus. Much more than that, you are sanctified. Now he makes you holy. 
Let's go to Romans chapter 121 for us to really understand what the sin really is and what we're dealing with. Because if I was such like these, when I look at you, I've got no room and no time to remember and see what you're doing because I'm much more guiltier than you. If I'm a sinner, all I'm concerned about the grace that is given to me And I can say, God, praise God, you've also been forgiven. Look at Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, this is what sin has done. They knew God, they did not honor Him as God, nor were they thankful to Him. But they became futile in their thinking. There's that word again, empty of truth, sinful reprehensible they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened it went from bad to worse and here's what they did they claimed to be wise think of washington dc all of the laws all of the arguments and not only are they claiming to be wise we read here later on saying they actually give praise to the people who actually do that look at this They became futile, their hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals, and creeping things. I'm watching this uh, series on YouTube about someone traveling throughout the world, and as they were traveling through India, you know that the Indian nation has millions and millions of gods? There's golden idols and statues all over the world, all over their country there. And not only they're, they're, they're crawling on their knees, on their hands and feet, going to these temples, worshiping images of rats and cows. And I'm thinking, and I was born in a nation, Romania as it was, where I heard the gospel. You heard the gospel. And God touched your heart through the Holy Spirit and you believed it. And your eternity is safe. Do you understand that grace? How to embrace it and hate the sin? Images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. And this is where our nation is right now. Our nation is being judged. Conservative young man, a reporter walks up to a group of girls and asks them, can you please give me the definition of a woman? And they couldn't give it to him. Yes, they could, but they wouldn't. Because we want to have that freedom to live within our passions and sin, doing what we desire. And so we limit our own selves. We become fools. Romans 1.29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. What has sin done? What is this enemy that we're dealing with? In all this, now you can answer the question, why did Jesus 
innocent, God's Son, loving, healing, giving life. Why did Jesus die? Why did He have to die? To understand that great sacrifice, we understand the picture of the horrid darkness of sin. Why must I read Scripture every day? Because sin sits crouching at the door like the lion that seeks to devour. Why must I memorize Scripture? Because that sin is merciless. Why must I know and meditate and talk to the Lord daily because of that sin destroying lives? You become a warrior from one that prays, Oh God, have mercy on me, or God, have uh, give me, or heal me, or be with me. You mature and you say, Father, I pray for Mike. I pray for John. I pray for Mary. And now you're a warrior because you know that sin. And it's no longer personal. It's not that Colleen hates me and she hates my suits. It's because Colleen has got issues in her own life with sin. So I love her as I want to come alongside her and pray for her because of that sin. None of that is true. This is the oppression of sin. Imagine for a second a divine trinity, a Godhead, limitless, not limited by time, planning and preparing, working throughout history, thousands of years with the anticipation and desire to just make it happen, but he didn't, waiting for his son to be given so he could redeem from Abraham to all those that would believe and have faith. And the same God being limited or limiting himself in our own time, seeing that the Lord Jesus is coming back so we will be redeemed from that sin. How much God loves you. We see in this text, as I ask you to read it throughout the week, Matthew chapter 5, 12 to 21. We're going to get to that phrase which we know God loves to write down, verse 15. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more, much more the grace of God. Verse 17, death reigned through one man, but much more those who receive the abundance of grace. Much more. What does God have for you today? He's got so much more. Understand your enemy. Embrace your Redeemer. And fight against that sin. Because the lives of the people you know depend on it. May your Easter be a time to reflect upon and give thanks for Christ in your life and heart and soul. Though we be sinners, God has a plan of redemption and love for each of us. Let's pray. Lord, in all this sin and oppression in the world, there was only one answer. Sin leads to death. 
Yet your will is that not one perish, but that all come to you through your Son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into our lives, my life, to save us, each of us, yes, even me. We repent, we agree our sin is too great for us. We confess we're sinners, and we believe in your Son, Jesus, as our Savior and Lord. Next week, we will hear of the preponderance of evidence. The message will center on the veracity, the truth of Jesus' word, his life and his existence through his message of hope and salvation for all people throughout the whole of the earth. Join us then, and have a happy Easter. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.